Welcome to Oops All Monsters, the deadly unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me when he's not turning all of Fantasia into an endless void is Gavin. And this weirdo with me who is strapped to the electric chair is Hess. Oh, am I the shocker in this case? As portrayed by <laughs> Mitch Pelegi. I how could I remember Mitch Pelegi's fucking name? I can't remember my own fucking name. I remembered Mitch Pelegi's name, star of the X Files and the Shocker. I was wondering if you were gonna get what was in my head, and that was it. Yeah. You were Mitch Pelegi, yeah. Uh anyway, was that not the was episode? That it? Yeah. It <laughs> yeah, may be yeah. <laughs> No. Okay. I was because I was ready to go for the shocker, and by which I mean watching no, the no. 1989 horror film about a man made of television electricity, the shocker. <laughs> yeah. Not to not to have three not to have three fingers. <laughs> we all know two what of the my orifices. Is. I don't know how anybody could execute that on me based on my anatomy, but still, easily. And we are here too, as we always are, delight and edify you with tales of the mysterious monsters. From mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond. On a rotating basis, each of us brings a monster into the shop, unknown to the other presenter, and discusses their origins and implications for the, bene- the, for the benefit of you, dear readers at home. Reminder, check out our Instagram at oopsallmonsters for the images of the stuff. Um, and so a uh, little bit of how we're doing things today. We're actually being on the ball and recording two episodes at once. Yes. And we have had our first official, we've had some close calls before, Yeah. but our first official daily Daily double double. where apparently, apparently, um, we're both doing Frankensteins. Uh, Those of you who uh, just listened to for you, which would be a, a trip back to last week, a Frankenstein episode uh, regarding Thomas Edison's 1910 Frankenstein um, based off of my sussing out of what Gavin brought technically the same day for us um, is also a Frankenstein topic, but I genuinely have no idea um, of what flavor that is. So there's no planning to this. uh, We're not doing like a theme, like two episodes in a row of the same thing. We didn't plan that. These are all picked uh, whenever we feel like doing the monster or whatever catches our attention at the time, like whatever week. Yeah, it's all completely random. Great minds smack behind. Yeah. Uh, So (laughs) uh, for villainous vocabulary, uh, I I I, uh, I closed that tab, but I remembered what it was. Instead, I have three tabs of fucking Sharknado images up. vocabulary. You don't need that anymore. The word that I have brought is overmorrow. Overmorrow. It is simply a Middle English word that means the day after tomorrow. Yeah. Um, it is still uh, very useful. It is essentially the English version of the German Uber Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> um, that means the day after tomorrow, for which we do not have one simple word. You still have to, in English, say the day the after, after tomorrow, tomorrow, which is yeah. three whole or four whole fucking words when you could just say overmorrow, over-morrow. which I'm, I'm, I'm going to start saying overmorrow and a yesterday. Or yesterday. Um, 
over over morrow. Yeah, just like you're doing in the accent of the low Scandahuvian peoples of Age of Empires II, Age of Kings. Timberhof um, Mondi. Over morrow. <laughs> so that has been <laughs> Overmorrow. Villain's vocabulary. Although this truffle pig has sniffed out the general zone of our topic, I yeah. still need you to I will imagine, slap yes. it down on the table. I'll slap down an imaginarium. Um, okay, imagine, if you will, that you are driving with your recently proposed fiancé to see a shared old college professor. Okay, okay. You are driving across a dark countryside, it's storming and raining, and you get okay. a flat tire. Okay. Is this occurring over at the Frankenstein place? Uh, there is a light, yeah. Yeah. Go on. Shining over at the Frankenstein place. I knew you'd get it by now, so I got nothing else. <laughs> it is. There's well, a light. It, it is. It is Eddie. It's Eddie. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen closely. Not for very much longer. I've got to keep control. It's just a jump to the left. Okay, because uh, I was gonna, because uh, I was gonna say, actually, there's a number of possible monsters from the Rocky Horror verse. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's good that we're yeah. doing Eddie because that fat fuck died. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not how oh, I should. Yeah. say. You didn't do it because he died. Uh, no, no, I I forgot he died. I, um, <laughs> this is, yeah, we're, we're what, what I like to call 360 degrees competent folks yeah. is we, we're so <laughs> off of the ball. It comes all the way back around to being exactly on the ball. Yeah. Um, absolutely <laughs> completely forgot that meatloaf died, yeah. but still relevantly brought up a topic that stars and is about and portrayed by him. No, I'm doing so, this um, one because I have, I have had hot patootie stuck in my head for about two months. Man, it's a bad one to get stuck in there. I know. I mean, it's a. I mean, because specifically, it's a. Uh, it's a good song. Yeah. But it's d- dumb as hell, but and it's, it's uh, and and you find yourself say, singing yeah. "Hot Patootie, Bless My Soul" over and over again. Yeah. You're like, and it's I, I probably went. I I I have recently put my arms around my girl and tried to sing along. <laughs> yeah, and then, I um, and then it got stuck in my head after that. I think it took me twenty years to realize the song was saying "Hot Patootie." Yeah, and then I, I was pretty miserable about it for about a month. <laughs> I was like, really? That's what that's about? But we'll um, we'll get into it. So, we Rocky Horror it. Picture Shows, as portrayed by Meatloaf, 
and Eddie, the monstrous man-made crea- creation. Yeah, Eddie was the first monster man created by Dr. Frank Inferder, the titular Frankenstein parody character from Richard Carl O'Brien's Rocky Horror Picture Show, that movie right. with all the singing. Right, that movie with all the singing. Well, here's... Um, <laughs> I don't know what you want to say about this right at the, up at the front, because I already have a question that I've had in my head for a while about Eddie. Okay. Because in the Eddie song, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, um, Eddie is described as a person who has a childhood and a family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, right? Like when little Eddie said he, he didn't like, like his teddy, teddy, you knew he, he was, was a no good, good kid. kid. Right. Bam, bam. So if he was a no good kid who didn't like his teddy, how is he also simultaneously a monster that is created out of whole cloth? Huh? Can't he only be one or the other? Uh, is he like is he created by Frankenfurter or is he a child of man? Is he born of woman or is he invented by Frank? You see what he I mean? Was, he was a no good kid who fell in with a bad crowd who turned him into a Frankenstein monster. Okay, that's a weird left turn, though, right? Like he's not—he's not like Rocky, who is created, ju- who oh, is totally. Yeah. Right, no, you see no, what I no. mean? He, no, like, he was a prototype. He was made out of parts. Like Eddie already died in a motorcycle accident, I assume. And Frank and okay. Fred put him back together. There's the there's the narrative piece that I was missing because. Yeah. Because Eddie is kind of a, a a half job. Yeah. Right. Like he's one from the vaults. Right. Rocky. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Rocky is. It's, it's almost it's almost like an, it's almost like a serial killer escalation where you stumble <laughs> upon somebody that you can kill. Yeah. Or you stumble upon a corpse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're like, oh, interesting. I can do a science on it. Yeah. Well, and, and then that I, that gives that gives you like a boner for doing like full on science. I would think that. um uh, little Nell. Columbia. Columbia, who was Frankenfurter's, uh, like one of his many lovers, also had a boyfriend named Eddie. And since Frankenfurter liked Columbia at the time, would have put Eddie's corpse back together and brought him back to life for Columbia. From the day she was gone, oh, he wanted this rock and roll porn. On the motorbike, shooting up junk. He was a low-down, cheap little punk, taking everyone for a ride. When Eddie said he didn't like his daddy, you knew he was an awful kid. But when he threatened your life with a switchblade knife, what a guy! And I did. And then fell in love with his own creation like he did Rocky. Or whatever, at whatever point Frankenfurter and Eddie became lovers um, was, is uh, insignificant to when he was put back together. But Eddie was in the gang and then died in a motorcycle accident. And Frankenfurter saw an opportunity to do his experiments on Eddie's parts. And then it worked-ish. But it also yeah. turned Eddie into more of a maniac, I guess? Or Eddie's uncontrollable, like uh, Rocky would be controllable? It seems unclear how how much worse Eddie gets as a result of being, like, a corpsicle. Frankenfied. <laughs> yeah. Everybody 
somebody must have been drawn into something, making him warn me in a note which reads, What's it say? What's, What's it, it say? say? I'm out of my head. Oh, hurry, or I may be dead. They must have carried out their Let's get the the dead on facts about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> um, okay. The 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 American film, yeah, um, as written and directed by Richard O'Brien, is released in 1975 after having um, a reasonable amount of success coming out of uh, England's. I forget what they call it exactly, but basically, like London's like socialist theater. Yeah. <laughs> of, of basically, it's um, the communally funded weird ass experimental theater. Yeah, I did not get the name of that either. <laughs> this is Professor Marmalade coming at you, sweaty and electric, from the steam tunnels underneath the West Virginia University campus. The original London production of the Rocky Horror Show, directed by Jim Sharman, premiered at the Royal Court Theatre on the 19th of June 1973 and won the 1973 Evening Standard Theatre Award for Best Musical. Later transferring to several other locations in London, the show ran for a total of 2,960 performances. On March 10, 1975, the Rocky Horror Show opened on Broadway at the Belasco Theatre, starring Tim Curry and featuring Meatloaf and Ritz O'Brien. Hot Patuti, bless my soul, I really love that rock and roll. Mike drop. Professor Marmalade out. And has uh, a, a lot of success uh, after doing absolutely nothing yeah. for um, kind of uh, years. Its I remember. Success was in the Roxy uh, as a live performance. Yeah, and then um, after yeah. after that, they started dragging the film version around because the the Roxy they had success with the um, American locale of the live play. Yeah, and then somebody said, "Okay, fuckers, let's see if we can make this into a movie." Yeah, and and it it worked out. It um, worked out really well. A, after t- after a lot of time, it's a weird case. A weird case of actually a tiny little snowball rolling down the hill and rolling down the hill and rolling down the hill and turning into a giant Scooby-Doo avalanche. Yeah. Uh, that, but taking, you know, a period of years <laughs> until it becomes a, a, a massive cultural phenomenon. So, okay, so what are our, what are our ingredients that we want to talk about here in regards to um, well, Eddie? Well, I'm going to go in order of the notes here. My notes, first off, say that I like musicals, and I'm the only person that I know who likes them except for maybe you i know you like pirates i don't know Penzance. no <laughs> i no i like musicals <laughs> okay um i'm just i'm just picky and choosy i think well i mean i i think anybody that likes all musicals is probably like a fucking sociopath yeah, yeah. because some because the, it's i mean it's um how do how do I, I guess i haven't really thought about this in too much depth but i'm very hot and cold on musicals because when i dislike a musical the way that I dislike it is so much more hot and intense than just disliking a regular ass film yeah. or play. Like it's like disliking live poetry. <laughs> it's like why why are you doing this to me with my ears and my eyes? Why how how 
could you offend me in this yeah. way? Yeah, well put. Yeah, um, I'm I'm the same way too. But but yeah, like I was, if if I if I had to watch five minutes of Carousel, I would yeah. rather commit Harry Carey. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not even kidding. What what a nightmare. I was thinking more like uh, in casual conversation with people that I know a lot of people that I know, they'll often say that they hate musicals, but either like or love the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I'll bring that up. Like, that's a musical, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind of in its... Like, yeah, yeah, it is kind of in its own little box for I some I guess reason. it is, yeah. There's, there is a lot of non-musical parts. I mean... I don't think it. I mean, it just is a musical, but I it it's, it is its own. It is in its own box in the sense that it seems to have its own spot in terms of being an exception. In that people that do not like musicals will still like Rocky Horror yeah. for some reason. Yeah, for um, <laughs> and I, I'm not sure exactly what what that is because it is very much a musical. I mean, they barely get through. Uh, one scene ever without breaking out into a whole fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, true. So Eddie is, of course, modeled after Frankenstein's monster. Given this uh, is the 70s, um, mm-hmm. I think that they were trying to make a point with him being like a no-good-nick biker from the 50s and 60s. Like, by the 70s, that idealism and yeah. imagery of the rebel was already over with. And it was already, like, thought of as old and um, not necessarily applicable to what rebels are in, like, 73. Yeah. There's a, there is a, how do I, there is a very confusing accordioning of signs and signifiers in particularly American culture in this time. Yeah. Because in the middle of the 70s, the phenomenon of like the happy days retrograde 50s nostalgia is baked into the center of what rocky horror is yeah because for instance one of the only reason that rocky horror works is because they do they do take that nugget of 1950s nostalgia in the the form of pop music that they make the musical function with. Yeah. That the the musical style is doing that hey shananana like really simple Chuck Berry three chord three minute rock and roll bullshit <laughs> that has to do that has to do with mid 20th century American greaser, like John Travolta crap. Yeah. And even though the rest of the movie has that like culturally encircled with nooses and knives and, uh, electric, um, like turkey cutters and, um, and axes pulled out from the wall and uh, whips that that like nugget of really cutesy like kick your heels up polka dot dress American cheesiness is totally essential for the DNA of Rocky Horror. Yeah, the like cute fifties crap uh, is absolutely necessary. Otherwise, it's just a bizarre string of like horny Euro trash <laughs> indulgence. Yeah. Well put. Yeah. All of the sexuality 
and um, decadence that Frankenfurter throws all over the place. It kind of matched how Meatloaf personally felt also about the whole thing. Because Meatloaf was like an old school kind of like traditional kind of guy. Like, I don't want to be in a play where a guy walks in screaming that he's a transvestite. And then people had to convince Meatloaf, like, no, just pay attention and see what happens. (laughs) And then he grows as, Meatloaf grows as a person, not to be disparaging about this, but um, (laughs) decides to not only be in the play, but also, he also played Dr. Scott at the, in the, during the live version. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was another thing I was going to get into. Dr. Scott and Eddie were supposed to be the same person, and they changed that in the movie for some reason. And Meatloaf was, like, really upset about that because he said, I was a great Dr. Scott. <laughs> Interesting. How, how fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wonder... Um, and Yeah, I wonder if just there were too many things already breaking the movie reality, because the thing is translating it into a movie theater lives in really its own bizarre, um, it spinning the plate of making theater convincing is a very delicate and difficult Mm. game. Theater is so fake. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when, when you run out on a theater stage with a prop gun and you point it and it goes bang and some smoke pops out of it and the lights come down there, the audience does not usually fall into a suspension of disbelief that has the engrossing quality of watching like a cinema film in a movie theater or a lot of other things there. You, the fact that you're really there and you can kind of like smell the pancake makeup on these fucking people there. I'm always amazed every time I go to a live theater event and I like it because I, I know that I do, but every fucking time I'm like, can you believe people are going to get up here and do this shit? Yeah. <laughs> like, like seriously, you're going to walk out there and pretend that you're Helen Keller. Give me a fucking break. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, or whatever. It, I mean, just yeah. like, yeah, there, there's, a, there, I, I, and there's always five minutes where I'm like, seriously, seriously these people are going to come up here and happen. pretend. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Am I part really? of this? I'm so close to all of this. Happening. You're going to wear that. You're going to wear that for 90 minutes. Yeah. And you're going to have a straight face the whole time. Yeah. You're really, come on. Yeah. You're really going to do this for the next fucking hour. Right. <laughs> <laughs> where I don't. I, and it's because theater lives in a, a separate space. But because we are human beings and we are really built around storytelling, we yeah. will fall for it. Yes, but it has to be it, it, ha- it has every to be time. <laughs> not every time but it has to be ba- it has to be balanced well, I have I don't and know it, and it also has to have a a for of strong forward inertia and one of the things that can really galvanize that forward inertia is fucking singing for some reason yeah singing um, um because because song just has a yeah. inevitableness to it it has an, an energy like a like the fire at the ass end of a rocket that just pushes yeah. things forward <laughs> yeah singing is the kick flick before the grind Right, but also <laughs> Rocky Horror is because you mentioned that I'm like a bizarre perverse fan of the 1970s filmed version of The Pirates of Penzance. Pirates of Penzance, yeah. There is 
not a million ways in which they're related, but there is one very tricky one where it, you know what's really fucking hard? Filming plays and it going well. Like, yeah. they, it, it's not a thing that is done. Like, yeah. turning plays into movies, which is pretty much what Rocky Horror is. Rocky Horror yeah. is taking a play and filling it out in three dimensions and then layering it into a cinematic world so that it's not obvious that it's just a filmed play. Yeah. And, th- and doing so successfully so that it's not just a half-assed movie or a play in front of cameras and that it's still really good yeah. is so unlikely. There's a reason that people don't do it because it sucks usually. But yeah. Rocky Horror also is surreal and um, disorienting and enticing and the characters of the world are so disorienting that if you haven't seen it, you're off kilter the whole time. Yeah. It's like like having a story told to you like on vacation on another continent, drunk by somebody with a heavy accent. You're like, what is even going on here? But everybody's <laughs> laughing along with it and you're like, this yeah. is amazing. Uh, it, it's, it is just so much all at once um, that it, the fact that it works at all is uh, miraculous, honestly. It is. Yeah. Well, that's why I always loved it in which we can jump into like the relatable character dynamic that we had as teenagers is like, I, I always thought that I was something darker and cooler than like Eddie as a teenager. I thought I would be like Frankenfurter or something like that. But as I grew up, I realized I am Eddie <laughs> I am and I am an Eddie. I am Eddie, and there's no way around that. Because this movie, which we were freely allowed to enjoy as children. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a good point. Uh I I have um yeah. in my secular world, I did not ever encounter any friction with the idea that Rocky yeah. Horror was just a thing you could consume at any time. Yeah. It was a pr- it was appropriate for all audiences, which was probably not true of every household. Yeah, it's it definitely was not true of but every it, household. But, but in my in my yeah, it, yeah. In, yeah, in my TV uh, like worshiping family, it was on the same level as like Monty Python's Holy Grail. Yeah. The the fact that it was meant for a, a, an adult audience did not make it not meant for a child audience, right? Yeah. Like I was yeah. watching Holy Grail when I was three years old and finding it funny. Yeah, and uh, you know the the laser disc of Rocky Horror Picture Show came out just whenever it was like, yeah, these ingredients are not scary and they're not inappropriate. And also, like if I was seeing it at age twelve, I was not. I, I don't, which is, I mean, even though that there's tons of like overt sexuality with, um, you know, Frank going into Brad and Janet's room separately with the kind of like, it's, it's me, it's yeah. uh gag with the, the parallel seduction gag yeah. <laughs> like that. That's pretty gratuitously like, and now some sexual intercourse is going to happen. Yeah. But I mean, the rest of it almost seems like it's in a, how do I say it's, it's almost like that all of these symbols of what these different characters represent are less like real people yeah. and more like Wizard of Oz characters. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's why I'm pretty sure I was allowed to watch it because my father probably thought like, well, this is just a meatloaf movie about cross-dressing and singing. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. 
Like, it's not going to turn my kid into a communist. It's not going to turn my kid into... <laughs> yeah, like, he can he can go ahead and watch this. He's probably going to well, love the songs. I, I mean, I have to say... <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, yeah, I have to say that it, it takes... Hmm. I think it takes a really advanced working mind to get to the point of like, oh, this is what this means. Yeah. Like, because what, what it means is really fucking esoteric. It's, it's, it's playing way, way, way above all of the little ingredients. Like the, the total is so much more than the sum of its parts where, where until you're like bothering to critique it on that level, what you just see is individual ingredients. You see weird little stereotypical characters. You see queer characters. You see, um, characters that are standing in for these odd, sexual types. And I don't even mean like sexual, like that they're naked or that they're doing sex. I mean, it's just like, um, you know, Columbia is just a different type than, uh, what's her butt? Why can I not, uh, how are we forgetting all magenta? Like Columbia and magenta are types, but they are, vastly different types. It's, it's almost as if these characters are a series of like icons in a lost pantheon of bizarre gods in a religion that is just being revealed to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they, they don't appear to just be some people in a story. They appear yeah. almost as written by fucking lightning, um, which is relevant to our ongoing topic about these like Frankenstein ideas in scary and relevant ways. But like, yeah. <laughs> they don't appear to just be characters. They appear almost as if they should be statues in a larger story that you yeah. couldn't have done them any other way. Like, yeah. Columbia has to be Little Nell. Like, O'Brien has to be Riff Raff. Like, Meatloaf has to be Eddie. There is something so iconic about it. And I don't think it's just because it came out before I was born. I think it's just like, wow, that is a, this is some real original shit. Yeah. And um, Richard O'Brien really made something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. He's, um, Adam Lambert played Eddie in a I, more recent version. I am aware of that. Can, it is... can you believe that? <laughs> he doesn't look bad. I mean, he's, he's, he's kind of... Um, look... What is up with the fact that he always looks like a video game avatar? Am I, That's is that just exactly me? That's like, exactly what I'm I was going to at... say. I was going to say... He doesn't look bad, but he looks like somebody made a Rocky Horror video game. And he looks. He always looks like he has a fucking Instagram outfit. filter on him. Yeah, he's. I think he is a video game. I'm not sure. Yeah. What well, is um, this from? This is this is from Adam a play Lambert or is this? Yes. From, because. No, it was filmed. Um, like a, a, <laughs> a movie or miniseries. Because. <laughs> I heard stuff about a new Rocky Horror coming out. Is this like a new version that came out? This was in 2014. Yeah, but what is this product, though? Like, is it live or is it a show? I think it was on MTV. I'm not sure. It is entirely possible that what ha- what had happened was that this was announced as a thing, okay? <laughs> And then after it was announced as a thing, my brain was like, don't want to deal with that. And then put it in a way, not even in a drawer, 
but like kicked it into the basement, into like a closet in the basement. It was like, if that's a thing, I don't want to know about it. And then they went entirely. Well, this is the thing. It's, it's advertised as an American musical comedy television film, which is, I think they tried to make (laughs) fool people into thinking that it was a, a live taping of the play. And which it certainly is not, uh-huh. because I don't think anybody could pull their shit together to do this in one take live on Fox um, in in a production like this, especially with producers who wanted everything to go perfectly. I mean, that's essentially what plays are, is doing a whole show in one take. I don't want to get derailed by whatever this weird thing is, except that I do want to address, based <laughs> off of... Um, Based off of zero viewing of whatever this live video film event thing that Adam Lambert was in as Eddie, um, he looks interesting. Uh, he's a good singer, to my knowledge. So uh, he, hopefully, he looks all right. He didn't do a very good job. You don't he think he made Eddie like a cartoon? He he made him a cartoon character. Like um, he made him a Hanna Barbera cartoon character. That was kind of like if if Eddie was on Yogi Bear as a guest star. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I will also say that I have absolutely no knowledge of Adam Lambert as a person. So if he's like yeah, a secret, like I if he's a no secret, idea. like pizza fucker, I, I have, take no responsibility. I have no idea whether he like, you know, eats children's toes in his spare time. Don't come at me because I said that he looked like a good Eddie. I don't know anything about him. He looks like a good Eddie. Yeah. He looks like he a looks, video game Eddie. Yeah. He re- <laughs> all the, all of these promo photos, he looks so much like a, like in a, a loading screen for a video game. Like that yeah. he's, you're looking at your avatar in the lobby. Cause you just bought this like cool <laughs> greaser skin. Yeah. You're like, this is the, like buy this cool greaser skin available only on the 27th yeah. edition. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It looks like you have to collect the pieces to it. Load. Yeah. Load up your Tommy guns and let's yeah. fuck this musical kids. Have or whatever. fun with it and have fun with it. <laughs> Um, I am nominally pro Adam Lambert, but, uh, extremely against other versions of Rocky horror. I here's, I'll tell you. So the regular listeners will be aware that I have a, um, phobia of weird toys, which is very (laughs) ironical and difficult for me as a person because I encounter a lot of weird toys. Um, because I have nightmares about them only because of that. Another thing that I am afraid of because I have nightmares about it is new versions of Rocky horror picture show. (laughs) I I very, very rarely as in like two or three times have very upsetting nightmares about new versions of the Rocky horror picture show coming out and just being really mad. Like, like that, it's not even like I'm, I'm not even involved. It's like, I see a news program and I'm furious. That's the whole, that's the whole dream. And, and because of that, I, I just am like very at my core allergic to new versions of the Rocky horror picture show. I'm like, it just already is a thing. Don't make it another thing. Like yeah. as much as I do like certain versions of shit that I like being like remixed and reified and reduxed, it's just like leave it alone. Yeah, it's leave fine. This one alone. It uh, it already seemed to me 
like I was looking into another generation's thing, like whenever I watched it. It was like, okay, this is clearly not for me because um, all of these themes and all of these looks and all of this stuff is already like in a, in a normal part of my life. And none of this is shocking yeah, I, or revolutionary to me. It's very fun. And like <laughs> and and I think that I'm one step I, after who this was for. I I think that you're kind of like I think that you're kind of walking up to the front door of a very large castle and standing on the welcome welcome mat and like tip tip tipping with your finger on the front door when inside is actually a very large idea that you have like unsurfaced for me, which is, (laughs) which is that the Rocky horror picture show is extremely punk. Like it is, it it is capital capital P U N K punk in that it is telling the regular world to go fuck itself to death. <laughs> like, you know what your standards yeah. for how things should be are? Well, fuck all of them. Burn it all down. Yeah. That is really like the central message to like your standards of what is and is not allowed. Die, die in a fire mad yeah. about it. Like get it all out of here. Uh, and to do any version of repackaging it, regardless of what your intentions are, is is yeah. is retro, and doing it retro completely lacks the central subtextual super message of the thing, which is like giant yeah. middle fingers with like lacquered black glitter fingernail polish on them, waving at the straight world going, fuck all of you forever. (laughs) And if you do any repackaging of it, you have completely failed on the most fundamental level of the message, which is like down with all of that. Get it out of here. We have no desire for it at all. Like the reason Brad and Janet are dismantled as characters as and reborn as like horny indulgent dilettante maniacs is the point it's like straight (laughs) culture should be yeah and i mean straight not in a heterosexual sense but in a like the 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 i mean people are going to take me out of context and make this like a like a gay thing but it's it is it includes all of that but more so it's about like don't do regular culture any service and um any version yeah. of redoing it is in some way like accepting it as a new or accepting it as an old conventional thing and doing i don't think it has i don't think yeah. o'brien at the level of creating it gives a shit about that. I think he wants it to be like a flaming train wreck (laughs) of like queer punk rock maniacal evil. And I don't think that he would pull his punches and be like, yeah, put a bunch of like uh, American idol stars on, on prime time on Fox. You know what I mean? It's, it, it is, it is such an American like repackaging of something 
edgy and taking all all of the juice out of it that made it itself that yeah. regardless of how well executed it was that you are really missing the point and it had not it had not occurred to me until yeah. having this conversation <laughs> with you that that's why it bothers me so much but yeah. that's definitely it it's yeah. like rocky horror is so rebellious it is uh, it is about as rebellious as a thing as there is i mean i can't think of in in terms of movie making i don't know a lot of other things that have as much of a societal impact to disrupt quote unquote, the way things are supposed to be and, you know, picket, picket fence culture and Brad and Janet culture. Do not cut any of that out. Hi there. My name is Douglas Rassensberger and I'm a CEO and founder of Douglas's Cutlasses. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? You've just gotten home from a long day of spurring growth at your small but thriving business. You're just trying to slice some quality deli meats and cheeses for a relaxing snack, and suddenly there's a mysterious intruder rummaging through your garbage outside. What's a domestic disruptor to do when you get in a pickle like this? Pull out your handy-dandy, short-handled, half-guarded navel sword, that's what. Here at Douglas's Colors, we've got every possible colors for every conceivable scenario. Are you an aspiring or current CEO of a Fortune 500 company? I've got a color for that. A middle school teacher struggling to maintain discipline in the classroom? I've got a color for that. Looking to add a little flair to drab dinner parties? I've got a color for that. Some people say to me, but Douglas, I'm not a pirate, privateer, or sailor. What do I need with a battle quality 27 inch half guard naval sword? I'm so glad you asked. Here at Douglas's Cutlasses, our research shows that the vast majority of conflicts, both business and personal, can be positively affected by the introduction of a modest, well-crafted naval sword. So let's get swashbuckling. No matter what's your problem, an easy-to-wield Iron Forge Cutlass is probably the solution. So once again, I'm Douglas Raffensperger of Douglas's Cutlasses. Come get stabby with me. Please go to paypal.me slash oopsallbonsters and make a payment there. And that's oops with two O's. Again, that link is paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. The, the uh, stunt driver for the motorcycle, uh, for the scene where he does all of the motorcycle shit, yeah. almost died like three fucking times. <laughs> really? From wrecking the motorcycle. Yeah, I really. Mean, it looks like he maybe goes like 15 <laughs> miles an hour. That's a bitch. No, he's... <laughs> All of those, like, ice blocks were made out of actual ice and wax. Okay. So, <laughs> whenever he has to drive through that, he he wrecked driving through that. He wrecked going up the, uh, the ramp that goes up and over uh -huh. and around the lab. He wrecked off of that, and the bike fell on him. Yeah, and don't... And they thought he was dead. Don't, don't <laughs> let a bike fall on you. Yeah, they thought the stunt guy was dead. Um, and they all ran over there. Meatloaf ran over there to wake him back up and he wasn't moving. And then the stunt guy, like after 30 or 40 seconds of being completely still and silent, gets right up and says, okay, let's try that again. And <laughs> that's fucking and meatloaf. Like, that's yeah, guys. meatloaf scared shitless is like, what happened to you? We thought you were dead. And he said, 
Well, the first thing I learned was after a wreck like that is not to move anything or else you'll cause more damage. So that's what I was doing. Yeah. I just was checking you, myself. Just lay there, and, yeah. lay there and see what's broken and fallen off or on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, um, go ahead. Yeah. There was another time where uh, a stunt guy was in a wheelchair with a bunch of... Uh, uh, gee donk around him, like a camera, the handlebars of the uh-huh. motorcycle, and a bunch of stuff like attached to the wheelchair. And the wheelchair topples over, and he breaks his leg. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, entire scene almost killed the guy like three times, and it was well worth it because it needs to be in the movie. <laughs> and yeah, none of that shit looked particularly. De- I mean, driving around that set in a in a a bike of that beefiness. Um, yeah. It, I mean, it is, a th- it is a thing. Cause you go up that weird ramp and it's just all theater crap. Like theater crap is yeah. theater crap is fine when you're just people standing around doing little dances, but you add yeah. like a big, heavy co- internal combustion engine vehicle and it's a whole different yeah. ball game. I mean, just, a- that, just that ask all those that- guys that have broken their back being Spider-Man on Broadway. Yeah, the type of the motorcycle was like a chopper made out of like parts from the Ford. Yeah, that thing's chunky. So, it is a real yeah, old, it was like huge. like beefy ass <laughs> bike. I I just I remember how it, I'm not a like a crazy bike person, but I know enough about bikes to know like it made that sound and it yeah. and was and was that heavy of a bike and was and it looked like it was work for Meatloaf to ride it. And Me- Meatloaf was like six <laughs> six feet yeah. and like two hundred and fifty pounds, and he's from fucking. Yeah. He's from fucking Texas, so I guarantee he can actually ride a bike. Yeah. Yeah, and it did look like he was having some <laughs> control problems. I mean, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not a natural thing to do with a bike at all. Yeah. So Meatloaf was born Marvin Lee a day in Dallas, Texas, to William Artie Huckel, a teacher and gospel singer, and Orvis Wesley a day, a police officer. <laughs> He moved to Los Angeles in 1967 to play in local bands. In 1970, he moved to New York and appeared in Broadway musicals Hair and Rockabye Hamlet and the Rocky Horror Picture Show and Off-Broadway in Rainbow, yada, 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 yada. And he made his film debut with a, memor- that, with a memorable role in the cult film The Rocky Horror Picture Show. So there is a little bit, um, a little bit about who uh, Meatloaf was. And of all of the various... Uh, pandemic deaths. I'm sorry that we lost Meatloaf. It says that yeah. he actually died from complications related to COVID-19, technically, is yeah. what it says. So that's a bummer. That is a bummer. I uh, I am pro-Meatloaf. I used to, like, fucking rock his cassettes <laughs> for yes. a, a number of years. He was a good... He had some good cassettes. Um, he had some really good cassettes. He had um, some bad out of hell cassettes. Both of those bad, of both them. of those bad out of hells were strong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, what a uh, an interesting musical talent too. Just a guy that was very fucking operatic for some reason. Yeah, uh, and the the absolute juggernaut of that ridiculous ass number one hit he had in the early nineties. Um, yeah, with he won't do something. Thank you. 
That song is a powerful song. The problem is it's powerful in every way, including catchy and like kind of cheeky. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And also, if you didn't live through that song being in uh, like on the airways, you just like couldn't get away from it. And it's like seven minutes long. Like you, yeah. like there, yeah, there was there, seven minutes. There was long. about a year where you could not get through a week of your life without hearing um, "I Would Do Anything for Love" by Meatloaf, and event. Yeah, it was like it was chasing you around like a, a cartoon old lady with a with yeah. a purse. Like it would, it was like the precursor to "Breathe" by Prodigies. Anytime you turned on a radio <laughs> anywhere, it would jump out and smack your bitch up. It was just like, damn it, <laughs> get away from me, fuck. Yeah, I thought I had escaped Meatloaf. Always, always a bunch of smartasses that would say like, yeah, but what is it? What wouldn't he do? And the answer is in the chorus of the song. It is? He he won't, or the verse. It's in the verses. He won't let her go. Oh. Well, that's a little, yeah. that's a little bit like, um, uh, Phantom of the Opera creepy. Yeah, it's a little creepy, but yeah. But I'll never forget. kind of like evoking a lot of Phantom of the Opera vibes in that video too. You know, yeah, he so is. <laughs> I don't think it, yeah, and, and coincidentally we definitely on this uh, Frankenstein Daily Double we kind of have a two very um, flowy white poet shirt topics in a row. Um, yeah. <laughs> For the monster's not in my face but in my soul. Not so much Rocky Horror, but definitely looping in um, Meatloaf as his own thing. He's he's a very yeah. he's a very poet shirt kind of guy, which is interesting. He is for yeah, a, which is interesting. Interesting for, for a two hundred and fifty pound man from Austin or from Dallas, yeah, Texas. Texan rocker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he wrote um, Hot Patootie pretty much. Like uh, Richard O'Brien wrote the words for it. But no musician could get the the words to fit to the to the music that, huh. uh, as it went along, except for Meatloaf figured out a way to do it, and that's because Meatloaf has that anti rhythm brain that some musicians have, where he, where you know he goes yeah yeah if anybody that actually understands music in a way that is academically sound could explain to us what the fuck meatloaf is always doing by like uh jazzing his his syllables in yeah. inside of these unlikely little carapaces of yeah, space inside of out of time, like like three five hit up hit. Uh, yeah, he's he's yeah he's really cramming cramming his fat ankles into like leather biker boots that should not fit sonically. 
Yeah. And yeah, and, and, it, puts, and it works. I'm, three, I'm not criticizing. Three, it's good. Five, yeah. Three, five tempo, like lyrics into four, four songs. <laughs> and he does it well. Yeah. I mean, it works. It works. I mean, I mean, perhaps maybe the defining thing about meatloaf is that he is, he, he really is like, he encapsulates weird borders between things that other people are not doing. Like he's a, he's an operatic rocker. He's a, yeah, he's a theater guy from fucking Texas. I mean, he's yeah. like, he's an um, American poet in a pirate shirt. He wears yeah. candles in a video on VH one <laughs> that becomes a massive number one hit. Like every single thing about him is bizarre juxtapositions that nobody yeah. else is. No one else is occupying that space. He's like, he's like Austin, Texas's Pavarotti It's super. Conf- he's a, just a very confusing individual that is, yeah. is standing abreast these various lines culturally that should not be state crossable, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, um, I, it's it, I'm magnificent. It, really. It's really American. It's, yeah. It's making me realize that he's actually a much more profound cultural figure than I bothered to notice for like a long time. I, I don't yeah. Know. A lot of people shit on him and there's no reason for it. I don't, I don't <laughs> see any reason. It's just that you're, yeah. you're going to get flack when you're a mix of anything. You know That's what I mean? True. Like if yeah. you're, if you're, like a, a theater queer bow from Texas, you're going to get a yeah. lot of shit from both sides. Yeah. If from you're a rock sides, and yeah. roll dude who wears pi- flowy white shirts, you're going to get flack <laughs> from both yeah. sides. Like yeah. he was a, a care of an individual with a, a strong enough personal inertia that it, it didn't seem to, to ruin him. And that's a, that's a good thing. Cause he seems, yeah. seems to have maintained a pretty good like vibe his, his whole life, a posi- yeah. <laughs> like a positive attitude. All of this too, all of this, uh, entire, nearly an hour conversation plus the world of, uh, culture that Rocky Horror and Eddie has spawned, especially centering around Eddie, all comes from a single song. Eddie only has one song. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> There's a lot of, a lot of, um, like Rocky Horror, Rocky Horror really gets, it, it drops things in and gives you little tiny bits and then fucking moves on. It is not, it is not, I want to say that that is a result of it being a play for a long time ahead of time, like where they cut out all the fat. Whereas if you, do you know shock treatment very well? The like no. the unofficial sequel. You, you, have you never seen oh, Shock no. Treatment? Okay, because I Shock- don't think I've ever seen Shock Treatment. Yeah. You need a bit of Shock Treatment. Yeah. jumping like a real life wire. Need a bit of Shock Treatment. So look out, Mister! Don't you blow your last resistor for a vista that'll mystify ya. You're blinded by romance. You're blinded by science. Your condition is Trust me, you would know if you did because you would have an opinion okay, about then, it. No. Because it is the uh, it is no. basically the sequel. It's a sequel only in the fact that technically Brad and Janet are in it, but they're played by two two, two totally different people. So yeah. Brad and Janet are now in this like very 
constructed fake place called Denton, Texas, which there is a Denton, Texas. So, (laughs) but um, Denton, Texas is somehow both a town and a TV station. Um, that is this whole world inside of a little TV studio and it is lampooning the farcical artificiality of American TV culture. And surprisingly, there's a series of very, um, grotesque, horny, pale English people behind the scenes running all of it. And, (laughs) um, but the thing is you don't know shock treatment because it's not very good. That's why. I mean, that's the, that's the like simple part of it. And it's not that it's terrible. It's just that like there, there is a, uh, there is like a, a juice in the stew of Rocky horror that comes out of all of the proper ingredients being, being boiled for exactly the right amount of time. And the ingredients for, I think Richard O'Brien was going in the right direction and then maybe made a couple of missteps and then they just didn't boil the damn stew long enough. Meaning Rocky horror had this, history of playing it on stage. And when you get to play things on stage, you find out what works and what doesn't. It's like being a comedian and saying like, well, that joke just, just doesn't land with anybody. So I'm going to retrofit it or cut it out. And theater can work the same way, particularly when you have a program where people are going to come and have a reaction and be like, okay, let's tweak this, remove that, recast this person, set that guy on fire, poison them, get somebody else in (laughs) here. And, and yeah. and after whatever success that that um, Rocky had, you're in a different position where suddenly now your goal is to make a Rocky two, so to speak. Yeah. And so it they did not do the same process. Of course, this is why sequels, uh, in many ways, are so frequently terrible. Is yeah. you know it's like any band's first album, any band, your first album is amazing. And you get the sophomore slump in your second album because everything in your whole fucking life up till that point went into the first album. And then now you have to be like, Oh shit, well, what do we do with the second one? And you just try to cobble together some of the main ingredients that were necessary for the first one and go like, is that good enough? And sometimes it is. (laughs) And sometimes it isn't. And for shock treatment, even though it had, um, even that, though it had some fantastic ingredients, it just did yeah. not. It it did not get there. For instance, it had Jessica Harper, who is one of my favorite performing humans of all time. She is also, um, she's also the star of um, Phantom of the Paradise, which I will eventually cover on this show. Which uh, have I made you watch Phantom of the Paradise? No, not yet. Okay, well, it's a whole thing. She's also in um, an Argento movie. And so she's kind of doing the Janet. She's doing actually Janet in that movie. And it's, but the thing is, it just doesn't, it just doesn't get you there. Right. It's like the, this kind of the same ingredients, but the recipe went wrong. And, and it's an amazing case. If you like Rocky horror, I'm sure there's a, a high percentage of people that do like shock treatment, but it's just yeah. like, it's not for 
It's, it just doesn't work. So do watch it because it's a great example of why Rocky does work. Cause you can look at shock treatment and go, they did nine out of 10 things that Rocky did, but the one last 10% obviously was fucking crucial because yeah. I am never going to bother to see this ever again. Whereas, you know, <laughs> I, I've seen rock. I mean, I have in my yeah. case, I own it and I do watch it on occasion because it fascinates me. But yeah. for most people don't fucking bother. I'm the high voltage Messiah, the electric Christ. The ACDC god. Yeah, the real meatloaf can uh, imitate playing a saxophone because he knows how it goes and he's a musician <laughs> well, and everything. Well, I but can imitate actual... playing a saxophone. <laughs> yeah, but the actual notes were made by Rod Stewart, David Bowie, the Eagles, uh, the Temptation, and Debbie Gibson saxophone player Phil Kenzie. Oh, so. Yeah. He's like a real, a real, real really, real, yeah. really wasted his life as a saxophonist is what you're saying. Yeah, he wasted his life as a saxophonist. <laughs> Spent a long time in goblin mode, it sounds like. Yeah, with also Black Sabbath, Stevie Nicks, Alan Parsons. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, plenty of people. Annie Lennox. Yeah. My understanding is to to imitate playing saxophone just requires some very tight pink uh, pants and yeah. a fancy belt and a lot of Vaseline. I'm pretty sure. Th- I'm yeah, pretty so sure that's the whole ninety percent of it. To, to some where like don't pay attention to where your fingers are going so they can point out that it's wrong. Yeah, sh- uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. Maybe I'm maybe I'm cracking Timmy Capella's long hidden secret right now. Is the pecs and the <laughs> hair is just to distract everybody from paying attention to his fingers. He actually has no idea how to play the saxophone. <laughs> he has a device in there. No, he's got a serial no de Bergerac saxophone player behind him. That's why he could not participate in Mad Max Three. Is because he's actually a fake saxophonist. <laughs> It's all just no Depergerac saxophone player behind him. <laughs> there's a there's a yeah, there's a little there's a little person with a horrifyingly crooked nose who is a just an absolute fucking phenomenon at the small sized saxophone just fucking ripping shit in a in a wheelchair <laughs> behind a little changing curtain about thirty feet away. <laughs> All right. Tim is just like uh, k- kicking and pointing at the audience and whipping his hair back and forth like a fucking My Little Pony. <laughs> yes, it's bitchin' Van Art. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Is it, is it, is, 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 is it bitchin' Van Art? Thank you for taking us there. Yep, there is no <laughs> doubt in any part of the multiverse that Rocky Horror, Eddie, and uh, Eddie's encapsulated saxophone saxophone player Meatloaf Marvin Aday are absolutely bitchin' van art. Under no circumstances (laughs) could there even be a debate about it. Well, that one, that's the easiest one I think we've done. uh, Yeah, that's the easiest Uh, one. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Okay. Well, shit on a bike. Um, let me find ex- ex- 
exactly which image we got. We found we found a nugget there at the end. I mean, it was going to yeah. be an okay episode, but we it's much better with a big laugh there at the end. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> you yeah. got me with that Cyrano de Bergiac saxophone. Uh, I mean. <laughs> The little guy in a wheelchair. (laughs) 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 Through the storms, through the cries, through the wars. Okay, okay. Uh, No, it's fine. Gobbling me up. You're (laughs) You're giving me. Time to find exactly the right episode. Of, I've got the right subject. I'm trying to find exactly. Um, so this is Whoa. so this is directly. You probably want to pop it open so it's larger. Yeah. I was talking about Rory Kinnear as the creature in yeah. in Penny Dreadful, and when I when I re- was re looking at it because I hadn't I hadn't specifically looked at it in a while. What yeah. <laughs> what it had occurred to me is what he looks like is. Um, Chris Hall from Stabbing oh Westwards, my God. like he look he he looks like Chris Hall's inner life is what I'm gonna say. Uh huh. <laughs> He's kind of a good little doughy boy, but <laughs> dressed up, but dressed up as a gargoyle, right? I can't. Yes, yeah. I can't go into that. I know too much about Chris Hall, and I just can't. Break. There's, there, I like the new album, and I like everything about it, and I can't, I can't go there. I can't make fun of. Chris so Hall we we love, <laughs> we love '90s pop industrial act stabbing westward. Yeah. We love their ch- <laughs> chunky emotive guitars. We love yes. their beautiful sonic synthesis of traditional of rock and eggs. synthesizer sounds. We love yes, their it's, we it's love their excellent sound. Mid 90s film saturation videos. Yeah, the the vocals are great. We the love their tone of the vocals. Their are their wonderful. their cutting edge pleather outfits, yeah. and um, we love their um, tie-ins with large corporate properties. I don't know, and yeah, uh, yeah. and they're, um. They're, Almost every movie soundtrack from 97 to 98. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of soundtracks. They, you know, they, yeah. were, they were making whatever studio they were with a, a chunk of money. And yeah. I hope Chris Hall is able to journal about whatever he's thinking about in peace in a uh, well-festooned mansion full full of... Probably, I'm guessing, like, gas lamps and yeah, halberds? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, gas Chris, lamps and halberds. Chris, whatever you're doing, I hope it's going well. Please yeah. come on the show and talk about um, Frankenstein yeah. sometime. Uh, you're, you're, we, lo- we listened to your albums so many times in a row. Yes. But you really look like Rory Kinnear 
as Frankenstein's monster in Penny Dreadful sometimes, haunting the gutters of London, (laughs) seeking revenge on your creator as the ultimate symbol of the misery of man's technological ambitions. Chris could probably take that as a compliment. I hope that he does. I really tried to get there. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred people, a hundred people are going to YouTube. What, what the fuck is stabbing Westward? Yeah. What the fuck is stabbing Westward? (laughs) God, I'm such an asshole. Really good band with some very confusing, uh, topics. Or really one, (laughs) one very confusingly repetitive topic. We're getting out of this ex-girlfriend. Out of Chris Hall's pleather trench coat and into the end of the show. People are going to start wondering why we always sing a little song at the almost the end of the show part. It's it's making no sense. It's almost the end of the show. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time, when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. And would you kindly tell a friend or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes or a f- top review on whatever you listen to it on? That would really help us, please. Also, Gavin Longshanks. The YouTube channel is by this time probably going to have a maximum amount of Mech Warrior videos and little cartoons for you to enjoy. That would be my channel if you want to look at it. Go ahead. It's Gavin Longshanks at YouTube. Do it with your eyes. Uh, Share an episode on your favorite social media, if that's your jam, and hit up our Instagram for images that go along with each episode. Comment on the Instagram. Engage with the Instagram. Love the Instagram. Engage. Also, send Love us my Instagram. Send us suggestions for the monsters that we should cover. Also, send us role-playing game stories. Any stories at all. Just tell us anything at all at oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. Oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. Yeah, speaking of role-playing game stories, I'm 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 about to totally wreck house with uh, Chris and uh, Chris's friend who were playing in that Starhold game that I was yeah. working on with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, oh, it's we're on like session three, and it's very creepy. But cool. uh, yeah, it's a I really like this. I really like this game. It's going even better than I thought. It's going good. Are you it's using been... any of the over? We're stuff? we're definitely using. I, we, we can't explain it because Chris listens to this show. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> but, right. But we're definitely, I'm definitely using versions of everything that we discussed when we were awesome. planning out the monsters. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, lastly, no, wait, that's not lastly yet. And if you want to toss a coin into the potion fund, hit us up with a one-shot contribution at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Or if you're feeling really froggy sign up at patreon.com slash oops all monsters lastly i have to thank my wonderful that my what about my wonderful friend katie for our incredible theme song her work as part of the duo the darling kathleen's can be found on youtube at the darling kathleen's and with that i have been hess i'm such an asshole and i have been gavin (laughs) And I have been (laughs) swimming in the warm waters of the sins of the flesh. (laughs) 
Okay. Do, 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 but I won't get do out of here that. I just wreck copyright stuff and sing an entire Stabbing Westward song. So. <laughs> Yeah, no one's gonna no no one <laughs> no one is gonna track that shit. Was that Columbia BMI? Who the fuck? Who the fuck is that? I don't know. I think it's Columbia. Yeah. All right. I'm all right. Let's close out the show completely with an ending of the recording. Ending now. Some nights you're caught in ice Some nights you're like nothing up